question for you. How many, when you were a kid, ever young and old, um, remember when you were in school, the teacher, you know, when the teacher said, hey, I, I'm going to ask you a question, or she would call upon you, and you'd have that moment of panic, right? Anybody ever really like that, you know, being put on the spot, right? No. But you know what? It engaged your mind, though, didn't it? And if you really think about it, you know, as we've gotten older, we look back and say, yeah, those were the teachers that actually kind of drew us in and made us think and kind of engaged us in the class that we were in. And again, we're not in a class this morning. We're in a, a church service, but we have spent 12 weeks in the book of James. And Lord willing, if I don't have a heart attack or a strike, lightning strike, we are going to get through chapter 5 today, which is the end of the book of James. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you, again, as we're going to kind of do this together as we've been working through, give me one or two things that you've gotten from James over the last 12 weeks. I was talking to the men yesterday morning, and sometimes when I get into a, a book like the book of James, it's both good and bad. It's good because I really enjoy it because, you know, you can dive deep and you can spend some time and you're really working through it, and everything runs through it. I don't know about you, but, you know, someone would be talking about something else spiritual over here, and then I'll, I'll flip back to the book of James, and it runs through that grid. And I'm kind of stuck in some ways. I'm stuck in the book of James, and that's the bad part because, you know what, the other 65 books of the Bible I'm kind of neglecting. But it's, it's good sometimes to stop and think about those things. And as we've been working through, and many of you encouraged me as you've sent me notes about the book of James, or I've seen posts on Facebook, or you've answered some of those questions as we've worked through it. So I told you, I prepared you. So give me something that you remember over the last 12 weeks from the book of James. Just someone, I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to call you out personally, but just give me something. Someone be bold. What's that? Sorry, I'll get you. What? God is the giver of trials. Yes, definitely. Temptation is from devil. You, all the way back to chapter one. You guys are good. All right. Anything else? What else? Yes. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Is she just waving back there or what? No. No. What, Denise? That's right. Talked about judging. We spent a whole time in, in judging, right? Yeah, because we're not qualified. Right? We don't know how to judge because we can't see people's hearts. What else? Come on, there's, there's five chapters and we spent a lot of time in them. Anything else? And I'm not looking for anything in particular. I'm just, just trying to engage you this morning a little bit. Very good, right? If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, therefore it's sin. That's right. And that kind of broadens that out, right? It's not just the Ten Commandments. It's the heart issues and even the little things that God says, hey, I want you to go over and speak to that person and you don't do it. Guess what? That's a sin issue. And we'll talk a little bit this morning later on about what to do with that. Anything else? Faith without works is dead. Yes. It's a great chapter, right? You say, I have faith. I say, I have works. Show me your faith by your deeds, right? Yeah, it's really great. That's in chapter 2, I believe, as well. What else? Anyone else? No. What? The tongue can be evil, right? Who can tame it, right? It can... Curse men and praise God. This shouldn't be, right? The two extremes. Denise, you got another one? What are you back there writing? Did you take notes? I know you do. I appreciate that. What else? Our words and our actions. That's right. Kind of goes with the faith and the deeds, right? They, they need to line up. So some of you are kind of quiet. Some of you are looking like, oh, please, Pastor Charlie, don't call on me. And I won't. I won't embarrass you. I do, do understand that. But anything else real quick? Before? Yeah. No favorite elders. That's correct. That's right. 
It's funny you should say that, because, you know, your husband's not my favorite. I, you know, as much as I wanted to, no, no. That's, that's right, no favoritism. Was it, someone else say something? Key to wisdom is humility, right? Yes. <laughs> yep, and Amanda's second it, thirding it, and yes. Humility, yes. Pride gets in the way of a lot of our, our actions and uh, definitely gets in, in the way of wisdom, right? So you guys have covered most of it. So guess what? You get a break this week. I'm not going to go all the way through. Did you really say that, Amanda? Oh, man. Wow. Wow. Ouch. Maybe we should turn to chapter 4, talking about submission to, or something. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm just teasing. Um, you're not slandering, or you're not, yeah, so, no. Yeah, I'm good. It's all right, I, I, God gives me enough love to, to love Amanda, no problem. Patience, right? Being patience. We talked a little bit about that last week as we were diving into a little bit, right? Being patient when things aren't going our way. Being patient when we're in the trials. Remember, I also said the book of James loops back a lot of times. You know, what we're studying this week actually has a lot of things that were already covered, but he's kind of reminding. Remember, this, this is a letter that's written all in one sitting. Yeah, not that we've read it all in one, and, and we've broken it apart through the weeks, but it's cohesive. It's a, it's a message that is, is a continual, and it, but it reminds you to go back. And just like we just did that review, because you know what? 12 weeks is a lot to remember. I say 12. We did 11, but Tony took a gave me a break. My not favorite elder gave me a, a break one week uh, while I was back east. And this is no different. And I used to, I titled today's message, Is Prayer Important? Is what my original title was. And again, you know, if I said that to, to any of you, I asked you the question, is prayer important? Yeah, everyone's going to say yes. But why is it important? And so I think that's actually a better question. And again, I don't have time this morning. You wouldn't want me to, to develop all the whys to prayer, but we're going to answer a few of those because James answers a few of those. Prayer is up on our board. It's one of those five things that we have up there that's really important to us. Wait, one, two, three, four, six things. There we go. Whew. Yes, I can still count. That's good. It's not a math class, so I'm, I'm, I'm safe there. But, but prayer is up there, and it's important. But why is it important? And so we're going to look at that as we read. And so if you have your Bibles, if not, Brandon's going to put it up on the board. And chapter, he starts off, we're midway through the chapter, but it's also the end of the letter. And he starts off in verse 13 is where we're picking it up this morning. He says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Duh, right? That's usually the easiest time, right? As believers, typically, when we're in trouble or we're in a situation that we are at the end, that's when we pray, right? right? There are no other options a lot of times, and we're at that, that bottom of the bottom, or at least the bottom of, of a situation, we pray. Why? We're going to be like that nagging kid this morning. Why? Why, is that? Why when we get to that point, do we pray? Yep, that's where our help's going to come from. But maybe it's because when we're in that situation, the only one who really can help us is God. 
right? He's the only one that has the answer for that. So again, this is a question that, you know, he throws out there, but he says, if you're in trouble, why? You should pray. Sounds simple, but sometimes we need that reminder. And I'm going to make the case that we should pray long before we get to that point. Again, that's part of the why as well. Happy from being in trouble to the next sentence is anyone, if anyone is happy, let him sing songs of praise. Right? We sang in songs this morning, part of our worship, right? Guess what? This one's free. Prayer is part of worship. Did you know that? Prayer is part of worship. When we come on Sunday morning, we pray. We, we put a lot of focus on prayer. There's usually four or five times that we pray. But prayer is part of that focus of worship, right? Question, why? Why is that a part of our worship? Quiet in here. Huh? Communication, yeah. Communicating with God. That's part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we're here to worship God. And again, certainly communication because that's part of that relationship. Again, that's part of it. We're getting there. We're, we're working through this question of, of why. And again, it is part of our praise. And again, part of our prayer should be in thanksgiving, right? We should be thanking God for all that he's given us, thanking him for the people that he's brought into our lives, thanking him for who he is, the creation. I mean, you can go on and on. There's a lot to be thankful for. And what does that do when you're thankful? How does that work with your troubles? See how the two go together? They're almost opposite, but think about it. If you're in trouble, it's usually you're focused on whatever that trouble is. And you're usually not very thankful. You're probably upset with either someone or something. But if you can turn that to praise, praising God, and going to the point of worshiping Him in song changes that perspective, that outlook, changes that trouble and puts it into its right place. Next verse. And again, these all go together. I know we can hear it says, and we make these breaks, but they really do all together. It goes into another section here. It says, if any one of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of our Lord. Right? If you're sick. Right? Now, sickness has a lot of different qualities to it, right? That's a trouble. Sickness can be a trial. Sometimes sickness can be because of our own actions. Sometimes it can, has nothing to do with our actions. It's, it's just something that happens to us. Right? It's out of our control. We get diseases. We get things. Again, it's part of the fall. But it's through no fault of our own personally. We, I didn't do something in order to get this cold or this flu or whatever the sickness is. So he says, if any of you are sick, and again, he obviously had people in his congregation that were sick and people that he knew, and, or if not, it's going to happen, right? We're coming into that season, right, where a lot of times through the winter we tend to get sick. It just seems to be because we're inside more and there's a whole host of reasons, get sick. He says, you should call upon the elders. Interesting, right? Call upon the elders. Now, let me just make this clear. I know our elders here are really good. 
But you know what? None of them are doctors. Not one of them. Not, not, we have great elders, but I, none of them are doctors. Not even close. Bryce is back there going, no, no, definitely not a doctor at all. All right? They're not physicians. There's no cures, per se, among our elders. So why would you go, if you're sick, why would you go to the elders? I mean, you don't go to, you know, you don't go to the, the mechanic if you have a cold. You don't go to, right? You don't go to the grocery store if you have a cold. There's, you, you go to a physician. Now, I'm going to touch on this. Yes, God uses physicians. I'm not, not saying, I'm not one of those pastors that say, you pray only and, and no, God can't use medicines. No, that's not true. I don't believe that. God uses what he wants to use to help people get well again. He says, go to the elders of the church. Why? Because James sees it as more than just a physical trial or trouble. He sees it as a spiritual problem. Changes that perspective again, right? And again, you're not going to the elders because they can heal you with their magical touch or anything like that. It's so they can what? What's that word? Pray. Pray over you. Is that an important word again, right? We know it's important, but, but why? Why are we asking the elders to pray over you? And then the anointing with oil, again, that has a couple different significance to it. And again, remember what I told you about James, right? He's talking to Jewish believers, and James was a Jew himself. So the anointing of oil was, was a kind of a side-by-side with healing. And in fact, some of the oils that they used did have some healing or soothing properties. But notice that's secondary. In fact, even in the context when you you're read it, it's, it's not even the main focus. The main focus here is on prayer. Recognizing that the medicine may have some help, but the real focus is prayer. And again, why do we pray? Because God is the ultimate healer. One of the things the Christian Missionary Alliance, right? If you've gone through membership class recently or any of you remember back, right? One of the, the four things is Jesus is our healer. We put importance on that. He, guess what? He still heals today. Sometimes he doesn't heal because we don't ask him to. Sometimes he doesn't heal because there's other issues that are going on in our lives. I will also tell you this. The elders of this church will gladly, they better, <laughs> will gladly, if you ask us, we will pray with you and we will anoint you with oil, just in that same practice. I have a little bottle. It's always here on Sunday. A lot of times if I go out to a certain place, the hospital, I'll carry it with me. But if you ask, we will pray over you, pray with you, pray over you. And we have such good elders here, they'll continue to pray for you. I know they will. They better. No, they're good. I tease them a lot because I love them a lot. But the oil is not, believe me, I know the oil that I use. It's just Crisco. It's nothing special. But it's the prayer. Wow, that was quick. You guys jumped all over that. Yeah, it's not. It's the prayer help it. I know. I was good. PJ told me to leave that part out, and I just couldn't help it. it just, it's like, you don't have to tell him what's in the oil, because that's not the main focus. And uh, Yeah, I couldn't help it. You guys can rat me out later to her. But the elders will pray. And again, we don't get asked very often. 
but we will. If you ask us, and we have here already, and in the short time that I've been here, we've done that a couple different times here already. So again, that's upon request. We will gladly do that. Just remember, the prayer is the important part. And again, we're asking God to intervene and to pray over you. Again, for the Jews, it was a sign. Again, it helped them remember the importance of it. They had a, a greater reference to it. Again, the anointing of the, the, the oil was just part of that, that prayer. But, again, James clarifies this a little more. He brings it out a little bit more. He says, verse 15, he says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. I'm going to stop right there, all right? So there's, there's something else going on there. It's not just the oil. It's not just the prayers. It's not just the person that's coming or the ailment, per se. But there has to be an element of faith there. A little bit, right? And I think this is important because this kind of takes it, for, at least for me, as I've studied this out a little bit, takes me away from those, I'm going to say it, some of those healing ministries, right? Where they're, they're looking for that cripple. And again, they've taken something that God has said is good and they've perverted it. They've made it into what it shouldn't be, right? There's faith involved. And again, the... The faith involved is the, the, the brotherhood and the sisterhood of Christ, the believing in Jesus that he is the healer. But again, the focus is on him, not on the person that's doing the work, right? Or just ministering the prayer. And that, that's a, a danger and a caution, and you won't see that in, not only in Christian Missionary Alliance, but I don't think you see it in Scripture either, where you know, we're going to be actively going out and grabbing hold of people and say, oh, you're healed, you're healed. You know, and, and not knowing the ailment or, or staging something. Again, quite often it's done in those quiet times in reverence. Again, because we recognize who's going to do the work. I'm not saying that all of those aren't, but most of them have gotten astray. All right, I get off my soapbox. I, I get on that for a little bit. But again, I, I've seen it misused more than I've seen it used properly in, in many situations. Or at least we hear about it more being misused. So there is an element of faith in there that, that does, obviously, faith in Jesus is going to do the healing, not in the person that's um, standing up front or leading the charge. Again, the Lord is the one that's going to raise him up. Then there's this if clause in there, right? Again, things have to be right in order to be healed. That's kind of the, the preface here. And he says, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. That's an interesting note in there. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So if I study that out a little bit, then I say, wait a minute. How is sin affecting the illness? Do you see that as well? Do you kind of put the two together and say, wait a minute. If forgiveness is involved, then there has to be sin involved. And if there's sin involved, how does that affect the illness? So I can make the conclusion, and hopefully you can as well, that sin can hold back healing. If sin in our lives, God may choose not to heal us because he's waiting for forgiveness. See, sometimes illness and sickness are not the worst thing. God uses that many times in people's lives. God's put you in that, that trial for a reason. It doesn't answer. 
most of the time. That reason is for his glory, for his purpose. So sometimes God doesn't answer that prayer because of what he wants to accomplish. Sometimes he doesn't answer that prayer because guess what? We're not in right relationship with God. We've got sin issues. We've got things that are, are hindering those prayers. And we, we won't be healed. God's not going to heal us in that situation. Again, because God's more concerned with our heart issue, with that forgiveness, that relationship part, than necessarily our, our physical well-being and whatever that ailment is or that sickness. So again, that's just the, the logical way of looking at it and working through that. And again, that's been misused as well. So again, if we're talking about a sin issue, then verse 16 says, therefore, he's carrying the thought, he's, he's making the progression here, therefore confess your sins to each other and what? What's that word again? Pray. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? Confession of sins. I will say this, I, and again, I'm guilty as well. I'm saying it as a group as well. We probably don't do that. We, in fact, I'm not even going to say probably. We don't do that enough. We do not confess our sins, again, one to another. Now, let me caveat that and develop that a little bit, right? That does not mean that we come every Sunday morning, we stand up front, and we confess all of our sins for the week publicly, right? There is a time for public confession of sins. But by and large, most of our sins need to be confessed privately, and most of them need to be confessed privately just with you, yourself, and God. Now, if we sin against a brother or sister, again, there's scripture, we've talked about that, we need to go to that person. But again, that's a, a private, and again, if you work through that progression, I think we talked about Matthew 18 and Matthew 7 at one point, right? But go to the brother directly, would be less need to do public confessions. But privately, we don't do that. And there was a great debate yesterday morning. Sorry, you guys give me material on Saturday morning at Men's Breakfast. I'm going to use it, right? The great debate was the, the root of sin, right? And I think we settled on that sin is a pride issue. And right, if I go and I have to confess my sin to someone, I got to do that. I got to humble myself. It's the only way that's going to happen, right? I got to be willing to say, you know what? I've messed up. I didn't do it right. Or I've done something to you. Please forgive me. That's a humble to do that. My pride says that was no big deal. I don't need to do that. I just won't talk to that brother or sister. I'll just leave them alone. Whatever it is, we can come up with a million reasons why we don't want to do that. But again, pride becomes that issue. And so confessing of sins is vitally important. I'll make this statement. Nowhere in here does it say that you need to come and confess your sins to your pastor. So please don't come and confess all your sins to your pastor. I used to make that joke on Fridays. Again, PJ told me to leave this out, but I've already broken that, and so I'll just continue on. My office is not a confessional booth, all right? And you that come from a Catholic background will understand that. You do not need to go to someone else to confess your sins in all the laundry list. Not because I don't care about you, but I don't need to know. I really don't. That's between you and God. You need to go to direct. 
That's why I talk about sometimes that confession is really just between you and God. In fact, I love the fact that in communion, we take that moment, right? Part of that moment of examining your heart gives you that opportunity before we do communion to get right with God is to confess some of those sins. I don't know about you, but whenever I do that, God almost instantly pops one of those into mind, and it's usually something very current, and I need to confess that. You know what, God? I, you're right. I messed up in this area. I didn't do what you told me to do. Sounds familiar, right, Bryce? You said that, right? Sin you ought to do, right? It's sin, so I need to confess it. So again, confession of sin has importance, and then we do that through prayer, through communication, and if we do that, we do all these things, then there may be, you may be healed. In the last sentence here, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It's mankind, tough sentence, right? Being a righteous man. And again, man here is mankind. So ladies, you don't get a buy on this by any means. But, but being righteous... You know, it's a big word, but really it means doing right continually. But if I, so again, if I'm logically looking at this, so if I'm not right, I'm not doing right, what's that going to do to my prayers? Right, the opposite of those. So again, back to that confession of sin, back to being right with God. I need to have that relationship. I need to be keeping short accounts with God. I need to be keeping short accounts with my brothers and sisters so that I can be in right relation with God so that my prayers are powerful and effective. I mean, if we're going to pray, right? If we're going to pray, which, again, we all said it was important and we know why it's important. If we're going to do that, then don't we want to be powerful and effective? Doesn't that stand to reason? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want wimpy prayers, I mean, to be honest, right? I want to see God work in powerful and mighty ways, especially if I'm in trouble, or especially if when I'm sick or I'm ill. I'm looking for the big thing. I want the powerful. I want it to be effective. And again, there's a lot to this. I can go a couple of sermons off of this. There's whole books written on prayer. So I'm just kind of hitting the, the, the tips of the top here. If you want to study it out, it would be a great study. And then as James likes to do, he gives us an example. Elijah was, was a man just like us. That was, that's an important statement. And again, I like Elijah. He's one of, my, one of my favorite prophets. But he was just a man like us. Scripture means that. He, he was just an ordinary guy until God called him. His only qualification was that he was obedient. Just a regular guy. God uses regular people, if I can say that. Right? really comes down to just being obedient. And look what Elijah did. What did he do? He prayed. You ever notice too in Scripture, if you keep getting the word over and over again, it's important, right? And the Jews used to believe it, that you know, once was, in, was pretty important, twice was, yeah, you better pay attention, and three times, that's from the Lord, and you've you got to Take notice. You've got to do it. Put it into practice. But prayer is one of those that keeps coming up. And he says, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land, for there was a 
Three and a half years, there was a drought on the land. And then again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. You've got to go back to Kings if you want to go back and, and read the story of, kind of Elijah. But wouldn't you say that's a pretty powerful and effective prayer? Making it stop rain, and making it rain again? Again, if you go back and read the story, when he went to pray for it to rain, it didn't happen on the first prayer. It actually took seven times. He sent his servant out, seven different prayers. Same request, but seven different times. So that shouldn't be an encouragement, because if God doesn't answer something on the first time, then maybe he's looking for that obedience, that perseverance. But that's a powerful prayer. Pray many times. Confession. I, I'll confess. I'll make a public confession on this one. I have prayed many times that God would give me a good day to go fishing. Guess what? God doesn't answer that prayer very often on my end. Again, maybe that's because I'm just not right or I'm not doing it with the right motives. But, you know, wouldn't it be powerful if that was, we had that much power, if we thought of our prayers in that much power, that we could literally change the weather or the circumstance, the situation, and again, it wasn't because Elijah was anything special. He was just a man like us. Again, God was using that through that situation. He was praying for the whole nation of Israel at that time who had really gone off the, the rails. Again, Elijah, I could go on a lot there, but if you haven't read it in a while, go back to the Old Testament. Look through Kings. Great testimony of God's faithfulness to an unfaithful people. But that's part of the power, and he, James used that for that example. All right, we're wrapping up. We're coming around the bend here. He's calling attention again. Verse 19, he says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone brings him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What a great way to end the letter. Again, he's wrapping up a lot of things here. He's wrapping up a lot of thoughts here. Right? He says, back to that relationship within the body. Again, he's talking to churches. He's talking to believers. Now, again, you probably all just came up with someone in your mind that you know that's wandered off. They're most likely not here this morning. Or maybe it's someone from your past, you know, and they're not in church anymore. They're not walking with the Lord. You, you don't even know where they are. You know, spiritually, though, they're pretty low. They're, pretty, they're bankrupt. There's no evidence of their walk. And that little phrase, if someone should bring him back. And I have that, that great reminder to me about loving the prodigals. Prodigal sons. Maybe because I was a prodigal son, and so I appreciate that probably more. And again, I give part of my testimony with that is that my mother prayed for me, that, that prodigal son returned. Right? And God was faithful in that. And he restored the relationship and brought, brought me back. But that's that reminder. Someone goes after that person who's lost. Maybe that person this morning you think of who's not walking with the Lord, maybe that's going to be your assignment this week. At the very least, at the very least, I should say at the very most, pray for them. But maybe reach out. Maybe go one step further. Maybe you need to go find that person. Say, how are you doing? What's going on? What's, what's taking you away? Take it as a challenge. Take it as a, from the Lord that, hey, that person matters. Because look at what can happen 
if they don't turn back. He says, remember this. Whoever turns that sinner from the error of his way saves him from death and covers over a multitude of sins. You say, death, that's pretty harsh. Guess what? There are sins that lead to death. Sometimes physical death, definitely relationship death. It gets severed. It gets the more and more that person, the further and further they get away from God. And I, I'm just going to say it because it's kind of here. Again, it talks about covering over a multitude of sins. It's not usually one sin. It's not a, and we classify it, I, I don't even like the term, but it's not like one little sin. It's a multitude, right? Once you start sinning and once you start going down that path, the inhibition to stop really doesn't, you just keep doing it. And you do it even more and you chase after it even more and more after that. And again, you probably have someone in mind. What he's saying here, though, there's encouragement to go after that person, to, to encourage that person to come back. Back to confession. And that maybe that person has gotten to that point where they're in that troubled state. Maybe they're in that illness. Maybe they're sick. Again, they haven't turned back yet, but God wants them to, the relationship. So then you can reverse this and go back through this list of prayer that we've talked about. So I know I've given you a lot, and it's a lot in, in just a few verses, but hopefully you can take something away from this. And again, remember back to the whole book. James is encouraging a body of believers that are struggling, not only internally, but externally. They're struggling just to survive. They're struggling with trials. The struggle doesn't have to be the issues within the church. And James is saying, hey, doesn't have to be this way. And especially in these last couple of verses, he's saying we need to pray. Because prayer is not only important, there are a lot of reasons to do it. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that we do hear, believe in prayer. And Lord, maybe there's something that's hindering our prayers, even this morning and we need to confess it. And Lord, may this morning be the time that we just say, you know what, Lord? You're right. I agree with you. It's wrong. It's sin. Please forgive me. Maybe it's a brother or a sister that we've wronged, and we need to go to them and say, please forgive me. Lord, as a church body, we want our prayers to be powerful and effective. And Lord, for that person who is struggling, who's gotten away from you, Lord, we not only pray for them, Lord, but if you want to use us to go get them, I just pray that that be on our hearts that we can't get away from it today. And that we not sin in not doing what you've called us to do. So Lord, just be with us. Continue to do your work in our lives. Continue to encourage us. Continue to use us to reach this lost and dying world. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.